Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Let's Be Frank podcast. Along with legendary Hall of Fame coach Frank Monica, I'm filling in this week. That's right. You're like, what is Eric Ritchie doing? It's Well, I'm filling in for Jason Duey, who is on vacation with the family in Orlando. They dusted off the old right arm, coach. I'm going to give you five, at least five good innings on a spot start. We're going to start, as usual, with high school football. We got college football to get to, the Let's Be Frank segment. And, of course, our special guest this week, I cannot wait to talk to Greg McMahon to find out what the former special teams coach of the Saints and LSU is up to. And I know you keep tabs with Coach McMahon. We're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. Oh, yeah, Eric, that, that, that's going to be exciting. Uh, but first, let's uh, talk a little bit about the what happened this past weekend. And, and uh, you know, what's happened now with the district play, uh, Eric, the, uh, the, the power rankings are, are basically almost set. They will change slightly, but not an awful lot. So the first yep. ball game, I think, that the big rival is the Covington and Slidell. And uh, it looks like Slidell, with their great defense coach, the school was real, real defensive-minded coaches, uh, minded coach, and uh, they had a great, great win against their arch rival uh, Covington. So that's a big win for for Coach Scovel at thirty-six to seven, and almost shut out a, a fine Covington team, uh, uh, coached by Coach Salter. Yeah, another big game around the state this week. Coach St. Thomas Moore put it to their backyard rivals, Turlings Catholic, not only in volleyball, but in football, too. 35-30, to 30, the STM defense forced three turnovers. They had a big fourth down stop midfield in the fourth and five. Uh, Charlie Payton, 120 yards, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. The LSWA coaches poll, Class 4A, who's number one? St. Thomas Moore. Next no, game, no, though, no surprise, Eric. Yeah, no surprise. No. No, because I think STM's got a huge program. Coach Hightower is one of the better coaches. And, you know, he's got well over 300 wins in his career. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame guy himself, and they just keep rolling over there. And speaking of rolling, how about let's roll into the Catholic League, Rummel and Brother Martin, a game you were at. Uh, coach, I mean, if there's one competitive district still left, then it's the, it's the Catholic League because every week it's a brutal a brutal fight there. Uh, Romo and Brother Martin, they played the game at Southeastern. They moved it off campus because of complications uh, that they had with time, with times at the Ted Gormley Stadium. Uh, it was a brutal battle. It went down to the very, very end. Both teams threatened a couple times, and because of penalties are, are going for it on fourth down, they were stopped. And, and uh, a field goal, uh, actually, I mean, when's the last time you see that in today's age with right. high school and offenses and things like that? When's the last time you saw a game go 3 right. nothing? Actually, it was against a slight breeze. So Rumble came away, and my son being the coach, I know he was elated because whenever you win a game in his Catholic League, it's like the NFL. That's huge. No question. No question. Non-district game. One of the few undefeated teams in the state going into week nine. Desterhan went all the way over to the Lake Charles area. They played Sulphur. They win the game 49 to 10. I went to Desterhan, their practice on Monday. And let me tell you, Marcus Scott has got a serious team. Their quarterback, Jai Eugene, first thing I noticed about him, coach, I haven't seen him in a couple of years. He has grown significantly height-wise. He was just a little guy when he started. He even got some playing time as a freshman quarterback. He accounted for Four touchdowns, through for three. Uh, Jacoby Green had two picks. Kevin Adams and Leonard Harris each had a pick. Harris's was a pick six. Destrahan is tough. They've got athletes all over. That was a big win for the Wildcats. And then let's go back to the Catholic League to wrap it up with John Curtis and St. Augs. Coach, uh, uh, John Curtis, a uh, big win there. It was a pick six at the end of the game that ice it for him. 
they, but they also turned over the ball four times, and and that's a sort of uncharacteristic because prior to that they were doing very very good and not turning the ball over. Saint Augustine, very explosive uh, football team. Uh, they had chances. They actually led by fourteen at one time going into the fourth quarter, uh, but never count Curtis out because they always find a way. And you know that it's not about that split back veer offense they run. It's about the whole program. Uh, very solid special team. They've always been really 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 good on defense and. Uh, their defense never gets as much credit as their as their offense has. But uh, so, but but that district is still still up for grabs, and and um, it's so competitive there. Uh, and that's probably the only district in the state that still has uh, still has a, a lot of competition in it. Well, let's let's go ahead and put week eight to bed, and let's preview week nine. But let's stay in that competitive league, the Catholic league, and we're talking about again a very competitive game with Carr and Rummel. Um, was uh, actually uh, visited Rummel and talked to your son, Nick, to preview this game, a game that's going to be live streamed on VSN. It'll be our New Orleans area game of the week. Jim Derry, Jim Rapier has this game. Coach Monica, how do you see this? Carr is just leveling everybody they play. They're just, they're just, you're just, I mean, just smoking people. Tell me about this matchup. How do you see it? Well, they have they have great talent. I mean, they they, they don't have a weakness. If it is, it's in the tuba section. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> they can really really run. Uh, they have they have great linemen. They're well coached by Coach Brown. Uh, you know, you go into a ball game like this, and you, you know, I don't I wouldn't know what advice to give my son if he even asked me. If he doesn't, you know, because he he makes sure that uh, make sure of that because I'll give him the wrong advice. But you go into a game like this, and the only thing you hope for is that your kids will compete. As your kids would just total line and, 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 and compete every play and only look at the scoreboard and hopefully come out there unscathed as far as the, the injury is concerned. And, but you, you look at kids and now you have to challenge them before a game like this that they would just compete because, you know, on, on paper, uh, they're not supposed to be on the field with Carr because Carr is just a tremendous football team. But, you know, they still play this game with human beings and, and not computers. No doubt about it. And if Rummel's still in it in the fourth quarter, it's anybody's football game. I gotta interrupt the show. We just got a we just got a um, uh, social media from the car tuba section. They're saying we're very strong <laughs> as well. So we gotta watch out for that. Hey, another big Catholic League game, the traditional Holy Cross Jesuit game, the one hundredth meeting between these two Catholic League schools. And it's hard to believe there's four schools that have or four you know rivalries that have, have met longer. It's the fifth longest rivalry in the country. Um, it might be the first time that these two teams met when they're both winless in the Catholic League. Holy Cross, 0 and 5, Jesuit, 0 and 4. They're both 2 and 6 overall. Coach, do you ever remember that? No, the, 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 the thing here, again, you know, Carr jumped into the Catholic League and Shaw got out of it. And, uh, and uh, what it did, it actually made it a lot, lot stronger league. And uh, there's no weaknesses there. There's not a there's not a patch on your schedule. Uh, you really have to watch your pre-district schedule. But here's Holy Cross and Jesuit. You know, Eric, one, one note. I want people to understand this. When they talked about going to select and non-select, the Jesuit Holy Cross people said and, and that they were longtime members of the LHSA long before many of these other schools came into effect. They weren't even in existence back then. And so this rivalry goes way, way back. And, and you know, the Catholic League is the only place I've ever seen in my life. I got to say this, that you're not, you're not judged by what college you go to, but the high school. When you walk into somebody and they say, well, Holy Cross of 68, or they'll say Jesuit of 72, or they'll say, they, they'll say Rum of 85. But they don't talk about their college. They always <laughs> express their high school. I've never seen anything like it. 
Well, let's continue on. And my daughter will one day say Mount Carmel class of 25. So, <laughs> so we'll just keep on rolling right down. You the hope line. so. You hope yes. So. yes. Oh my God. You got two more years. You got a 3.8 right now. Unless something drastic happens. All right. What about John Curtis and brother Martin? Oh, you know, I, don't, I think Brother Morton had a wake-up call last week. I look for them to, to, to bounce back and play better. But John Curtis is, um, I think they're getting better. They got their quarterback back. Uh, I think they're, they're about as, as good a football team that there is in the state right now. Uh, I don't know if you want you want to play them. But I think Brother Morton is another level that they can also play to. Huge program. Uh, you know, I watched them last week. They coached Bo Nish, one of the best best coaches around, one of the best people around also. And uh, and so they're, they got a, a lot of their hands right there. Should be an interesting battle. I, I do anticipate to watch uh, Brother Morton actually uh, fight. Um, and, and, uh, and this could be a real barn burn at the end. No doubt. Another potential barn burner is another VSN game this Friday night. We're going to the River Parishes, and it's maybe – no, it is. It is the only – matchup in week nine with two undefeated teams we talked about Desterhan's win last week over sulfur well their eight no marcus scott wildcats are taking on east st john and brandon brown's eight no wildcats i had a chance to go to both teams practices already this week and i can tell you both teams geared up for it coach scott was more like you know our our players have been in big games just look at the look at the last couple of years either semifinals or finals in the last three years the thing that really stood out to me besides the size of jai eugene who i haven't seen in a couple of years in person their d-backs kevin adams and lenard harris are just they're monsters they're ball hawks and they're going to be difference makers uh turnovers i think will be the key in this one coach monica Coach Brown and his Wildcats. There's no school in um, the St. John Public Schools uh, this week, so they go back to school um, uh, later in the week. But today they practice in the morning. It was a rainstorm when I got there. But uh, their quarterback, Yeshawa Mitchell, running back George Martin, tough, tough dudes. Uh, They got a young offensive line. Defensively, they're linebackers. Freddie Jones, Caden Henderson, a couple of uh, seniors. They're like extra coaches on the on the field. Both teams pointed the turnovers as the key for this one. So that's going to be a great River Parish matchup. And speaking of River Parish matchups, yeah, how about – yeah, yeah, go ahead. One word about that, Eric, yeah, about yeah. that ball game. Uh, you know, Coach Scott, I coached Coach Scott at one time. Uh, wow. He was, a, he was a free safety for me uh, many, many years ago at Jesuit High School. He's a very, very fine guy. He has something like nine D1 guys. Coach Brown has done a phen- phenomenal job. But both their districts are really, really not that strong. So they've been actually, I bet behind the scenes, they've been actually working towards this game. Both of them have been working. As a coach, you do that sometimes. Sometimes you peek down the road at your opponent. And but I you don't tell do the that. media. You don't tell the yeah. media. You know, you can't, you can't even tell your wife. You know, but you know, the, but the, the bottom line is that I think that they both have their eye on one another all through, throughout the season here. So it's be very interesting. I just don't know if East St. John has enough horses to stay with Jesuit. I mean, I'm sorry, Jesuit, with Destrehan in this particular ball game. But it's River Parish football. You never can tell what will happen. Non well, uh, it's not two River Parish teams, but our next game features your, uh, of course, school that you have the jacket on right now, St. Charles taking on Country Day. This is the game you'll be at this Friday. 
Yes, I, they moved that game to four o'clock, and it, you know it's a, sort of a time change for them. I mean, I don't know if the comments will adjust to that, but they got some people back. A country day is well, well coached. Uh, they, they have a lot of guys that go two ways. The St. Charles doesn't have that. It's still platoon. They get their quarterback. Uh, hopefully, they get their quarterback back for this ball game, and uh, and they get a couple other guys back. Um, you know, Michael Hotar, one of the best defensive players that they had. Uh, he's missed the last ball game because of a concussion, so he's back. So I look for them to, to be close to full strength for this ball game. And uh, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a good one because Country Day's defense will pose a lot of problems for them. Our final game that we'll actually uh, take a look at as far as previewing for Week 9, Scotlandville and Catholic. You're talking about two top 10 teams uh, in uh, select Division One. Catholic number 2, Scotlandville number 8. Catholic, you think about their big wins this year about, against Warren Easton. They beat St. Thomas More. Um, and then Scotlandville, as far as their big wins, they beat Rummel. They beat a very good Madison prep team who we saw on VSN uh, just a, a week or so ago beat U-High. Coach, this is going to be a big game, and it's, again, one of those ones where you hope one team doesn't look past each other. You really can't when there's so much talent on that field, but Catholics got Zachary next week, so that's another big monster game for them. One thing about Scotlandville, Eric, they have, they have one of the most electric quarterbacks that you ever want to see on the field. He can make you miss. He can throw the football. They can score. They can score points. Catholic, though, is methodical. Uh, they can do it all. They have uh, they will beat you in the line of scrimmage because an offensive and defensive side is just a big program. I mean, there'll yeah, be yeah. two, three teams uh, as far as their depth is concerned, a lot deeper than Scotlandville. But Scotlandville will put the eleven they put on the field can play. Let's go ahead and segue from the high school ranks to the collegiate ranks, and let's do our local college recap. And, of course, where else are we going to start, Coach, but LSU and Old Miss, the Tigers with a resounding 45-20 win over Hottie Toddy and really made adjustments in the second half. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, Eric. Well, I didn't think Ole Miss was very good. I, I watched the Auburn game, and, uh, you know, they couldn't, their defense couldn't stop a hard-marching band. So I think they're seventh in the country. You didn't think yeah. they were that good? <laughs> I didn't think they were that good because I didn't think they really played anybody up until that time that actually was pretty good on defense. And uh, But I think what, what people don't realize – LSU has changed a little bit. Their offense, they're doing a lot of the zone read, and they're doing the zone read with the pass. So that gives you a triple option for the quarterback. So he can either hand the ball to the back, he can keep it himself, or actually throw it to the flat if, he's, if it's not defended. And, in fact, they scored on that, that, that exact way. But I think that Daniels get his first two steps out of the pocket are tremendous because he can really get out of the pocket in a hurry. And he's not, I don't think he's the greatest thrower in the world, but his his first two steps out of the pocket are really impressive. He, but he throws good enough to beat you. And, uh, you know, he's got to get those receivers going a little bit in the offensive line, I think. Uh, but he still has to be able to run the ball a, a, little, bit, a little bit better. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, I don't know if they have the – the defense to take them to that that big bowl game that they're looking for, uh, but they look like they're getting better. But we'll see a, a lot more about them after the off week, and then when they when they when they have to go to a, a play at Alabama. Hey, before we get to Tulane, and of course we want you to break that one down. I'm going to tell you, Nichols uh, beat McNeese forty to thirty five. A lot of local guys from River Parish Catholic League played big games in that one. Of course, the former Destrehan quarterback uh, Cohen Granier, career high three hundred and thirty seven yards, couple touchdown passes. Colin Guggenheim, you remember him? He was the quarterback of John Curtis. Well, he had a couple of touchdown runs, and uh, also Julian Gums, who. Um, has uh, Frank Monica still having nightmares about him in Dallas South? Uh, right. Gums had the go-ahead touchdown there. 
great to see the local guys coming through for the Colonels, who are just two and six this year, Coach. Uh, also, Eric, we have Caden Jones, is a kid that played for St. Charles last year. Yes. And so he's now he's now starting for him, having a phenomenal year so far. That's and so awesome. I'm glad for Coach Tim uh, Tim Rupo, he, uh for that for that win. I think you know maybe they're coming around and and they know the season's still still um, in the middle. They still have a chance to get get some wins here and have a successful year. Is there any stopping the Green Wave? 38-28 winners over Memphis. Coach, tell me about your former co- your former school where you coached for so long. Well, they jumped out to 35 nothing league, and I think that you know the, the alumni were just going crazy because they'd seen some things they'd seen before. They were explosive. When's the last time you've seen a 90-yard punt return? Not only a guy just to catch it, but he returned it 90 yards, and uh, it was an impeccable return. Uh, that kind of, I think – put the dagger in, in Memphis early, even though they made quite a push at the end. And I know the Tulane faithful are, are really, really ecstatic right now. They have seven wins. I, I can't, couldn't be happy for Coach Fritz. I really love this comment. He told his team after the game, he said, I don't want any of you guys going to the boot, which is a local local uh, bar. He said, because I'm going to be there. So uh, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought that, was, that was a great comment. You know, but, you know, Eric, I got to say this to all the Tulane fans out there. Uh, if, if he goes on and wins a couple more, uh, there'll be a lot of people knocking on his door and wanting his resume. You're, that, you're right. You're right. And, and you know what? You bring up that 90-yard punt return. Another River Parish guy. That's Hanville's Jaquan Jackson that took that ball back 90 yards. So you know, Jackson's been dynamic since he's been there at Tulane. So good for him. Our final college game to talk about in the local recap, Southeastern beats Jacksonville State 31-14. They're now 4-3 and three overall. They scored 18 points, Coach, in the fourth quarter. That was the difference. You know, Nichols had 507 total yards. Southeastern had 459 total yards. Sawyer and Johnson kind of rotated at quarterback and uh, – a, a big win for Southeastern, beating uh, Jacksonville State 31-14. to 14. Uh, Coach Selfo has done a, done a great job there, and they're still going to be a team that hopefully they'll get a bid and, and get themselves in a, in a playoff. They have to win this conference to do that. But uh, they're, they, they actually played up a little bit, but I think they're playing better now. And uh, to go in a row to be the real, real fine Jacksonville State team, I think it's a tribute to their program. And now you, you never know. Every, every team has that big momentum game that kind of gets you over the hump. So maybe this is it for them. Hey, hang on, Coach. We got interrupted again on the Let's Be Frank podcast uh, Twitter account here. It's Coach Greg McMahon saying, hurry up. I'm waiting in Austin, Texas to be on the show with my my friend Frank Monica. So we got to go to commercial breaks. Greg McMahon, who, yes, is uh, at Texas right now as the uh, senior uh, special teams analyst. He's also the special teams coordinator and tight ends coach for the Houston Gamblers in the USFL. He, he has so many titles, I can't keep up with them. But what I can tell you is all these great sponsors are making this show possible for Coach Monica. And then let's be frank, uh, some of those sponsors, of course, the presenting sponsor, Ricardo and Dufresne Law Firms, uh, that's really your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Mr. Henri Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services and personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate title and escrow services through our affiliates, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home and serving our communities is our passion. Greg McMahon, former special teams coach at the Saints and LSU, is on deck. 
We'll go to him in Austin, Texas, when Let's Be Frank returns. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with RK Construction. This family owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King LaPlace thanks the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boutron and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Welcome back to the Let's Be Frank podcast. I'm Eric Ritchie filling in this week for Jason Duet, vacationing with the family and hope that he is having a wonderful time. Let's bring back Coach Frank Monica and our special guest of the evening, as promised. It's a 40-year coaching veteran, Greg McMahon. Many people here remember him with his days with the Saints in LSU. I don't know if there's a guy on the planet that won a Super Bowl with the Saints and a national championship with LSU, Coach. Is that is that right, Coach McMahon? Are you the only guy that's ever done that? No, actually, and Coach Frank will remember, Bill Johnson, who was oh, our yes. – and, yes. and Bill, Bill – so Bill and I are actually tight because – so Bill won – a state championship at Neville. He won a national championship at LSU. He won a Super Bowl with the Saints. Now, we were fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl, a national championship, but 
but we got our state championships through Coach Frank at St. Charles Catholic. So well, that's claiming, good. That counts. We're claiming that all counts. three. That counts. That counts. And, that and counts. Coach Monica, obviously, you coached Coach McMahon's son, Sam. He was a, a RiverParishFootball.com Defensive Player of the Year finalist his senior year. He was all over the field. He was. He was. Eric. One thing about him, he was tougher than a $2 steak. You know I mean? He wasn't very big. <laughs> And he had the speed. I think you know you know where those genes came from. So we won't talk about that. Uh, he was a tough little sucker. He, he really was, and smart. I mean, just exactly. He's a St. Charles type of player because he was a very very smart. No doubt about it. And and Coach McMahon now, as we said in the opening segment, uh, a senior special teams analyst at Texas. He's hanging out, joining us in Austin right now, Coach McMahon, and I'll let Coach. Monica, ask all the rest of the questions, but what's it like at Texas? Because I know you're also the special teams coordinator, tight ends coach with the Houston Gamblers of the USFL. You're going to be in the X. I can't keep track. XFL, USFL, you're everywhere. And now what's it like in Texas, though? How's things going for you? It's You know, Eric, it's going fantastic. And and, and like we were talking off air, it, it kind of it, it happened quickly. And all of a sudden, Linda's online trying to find an apartment here in Austin. And um, it's been fantastic. And it's, um, as we all know, I mean, this is this this business is so people-driven. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach, is is just a – he's special. And uh, he's been fantastic to me and, and Linda. And uh, um, I really like this team. I like the culture. I like the way they go about their business. So being able to be – be part of this team has been uh, has been fantastic and uh, i'm having we're having a blast yeah coach one thing i i want the, the public to know uh three great people graduated from uh, east illinois university one was yourself naturally uh, coach sean payton and my first wife nancy and uh, all of you have <laughs> a very special in my life and some stuff like that <laughs> coach tell us take us back to that super bowl uh, i remember the, at halftime, I think I, I, you expressed this to me a long, long time ago. I said, Coach, what, what made you come up with the onside kick? Can you explain that whole scenario in the halftime exactly? You guys came yeah. out. And you well, that. the the whole thing evolved because, you know, Sh- Sean Payton wanted, you know, and it was it was a Bill Parcells uh, philosophy, I guess. But but uh, he just felt like playing Manning and the Colts and the, the prolific offense and ball control and that we felt like we needed to steal a possession. And so, uh, you know, we kind of, Mike Mowry and I just kind of grinded through and we watched their punt rush, which, you know, you're looking for a fake punt. They were so conservative. Everything was four, four stack, a lot of safe. Uh, their field goal rush was the same thing, but then we just, we just looked at this left tackle for them that a hundred percent of the time in preseason, regular season kept bailing, bailing, bailing. And then, Morstead had gotten really good with that ambush kick. And so it just kind of, it fit. And so, uh, and, you know, certainly we were fortunate enough to execute it, but, but it really, it's, it was really Sean being so aggressive and really demanding that, Hey, we're going to get a, we're going to steal a possession. Let's figure out how it is. And then, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got the, uh, and you, you've been a head coach at a very, very high level. Yeah. He's like, Hey man, it's not when we do it, we're going to do it. And so he, he put the pressure on the players to execute it, and uh, it, it was a great play. But, Coach, let me ask you this. Do you go in every game with, with some type of gadget? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah, and we do a great job here at Texas, and 
Um, you know, that's something that I've always, that's probably not my strength, strength being the most creative. I'm more of a meat and potato. I want to beat you with coverage and protections and technique and fundamentals and effort. And, 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 and so here we do a great job of, we carry a gadget every phase. Like we're going to always have a fake punt. We're going to have a, have a fake field goal. We're going to have some type of an onside kick and, uh, we game plan it each week. And so, uh, but yeah. And, uh, and, and, and we're willing to, we're willing to run it. I mean, our head coaches, like we had one up the other day against, uh, TCU and we end up, uh, checking out of it because of the, or against, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma state because of the look. So, uh, yeah, we, we always have that. Coach, I remember when, when I was in, in high school, you would always invite me to these clinics. Uh, coach McMahon had these massive special team clinics and one of us, one of a kind, and he would invite college coaches. Uh, for the weekend, and they would go Friday and Saturday, and it, that was one of the few high school coaches that he would actually invite to it. And I mean, it was amazing the things that they came up with, and not a lot of people know about special teams. I mean, uh, special teams they only notice them when they go bad. I mean, it, it's something like that's like the center that you know the center doesn't even have fingerprints unless it's a bad snap, you know, something like that. But but coach, expand a little bit on, on what started that because I thought that was a great great uh, thing that you, you you began on a national level. You know, I I looked forward to it as much as the uh, as the, uh, hopefully that the coaches did. Um, it really starts back to uh, I know to uh, a friend of yours and a friend of mine and 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 Eric is uh, Bobby April. And when Coach April was 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 here under Coach Ditka, he used to do a uh, he used to do a clinic. And Coach Frank, you probably remember it, but he'd have coaches over. And so, and, and Coach, I don't you you may not even remember this, but you can't. You said to me, said you know when Bobby was at was with the Saints. He used to do a clinic for the coaches and everybody really liked it and so on. So I said, you know what? I've always been, I've always enjoyed clinics. I've always enjoyed sharing. I've always enjoyed stealing stuff. And so, you know, that thing kind of evolved. And and then all of a sudden, Jeff Banks, who I'm working with here at, at Texas, and yes. Eric Russell, who's at Texas A&M. He was at, at Tennessee at the time. Those guys came in and I said, wait a minute. I said, if you guys are going to be here, let's. why don't you guys stay and help me do the clinic for the high school coaches. And I don't know, coach, we end up getting about a hundred high school coaches there. Uh, and then, and then all of a sudden we got more and more college coaches that would come in and we probably would have, I don't know. What do you think coach 40 or 50 college coaches, a hundred high school coaches. And, and, minimum, and minimum, I, yes. I, 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 it, it, it was really, really special. And I still have some of my closest friends in this profession or at the high school level in the state of Louisiana. And it's all because of of that clinic, and so it was it was pretty special. Well, I know they, they miss you, coach, because you, your years at, at LSU, which yes, tremendous special teams. You had this this young kicker that you you found from some school that nobody. In fact, they thought it was a high school, Assumption High School, yeah. but it was Assumption College. Could you expound on that a little bit? Well, the year that I that, that we got there, you know, we we struggled at that position, and I was like, God, I've done this long enough that they gum it. We can go, you know, if you're at Louisiana State University, you can go literally anywhere in the world to get a player. And I said, my gosh, we got to be able to find a kicker somewhere in this country or this in this that, that we can get. And uh, we found uh, Cole Tracy at Assumption College and uh, he put his film on. All he did was make kicks. And so people are like, well, how will he be under pressure? I'm like, my God, his starting tight ends, the long snapper. 
the the backup wide receiver is his holder. He's kicking in awful weather on awful conditions, and he's always making kicks. I said, when he gets our snapper, our holder, and our facilities, he'll be fine. And so uh, Cole Tracy, the guy you're talking about, do you know, Coach, that he broke the record for the most field goals in the history of college football? He has it at all levels, Division One, Division One AA, Division Two, II, Division Three. Cole Tracy made more kicks than any kicker in the history of college football. I did not know that. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> he makes kicks. Well, Coach, Coach you, you, you have a tremendous legacy with a lot of guys. Can you go back and tell us to some of the people? I mean, you used to mention to me, and it was like a who's who in college coaching. Can you go back in your career, going all the way back to, to your hometown, and, and, uh, and, yeah. and talk especially about the guy, Coach, that, that was your mentor, your high school well, coach? That, well, my high school coach, as you know uh, – well, every time I speak at a clinic, uh, I always I always have a PowerPoint with Coach Hood, Dick Hood. You had a picture Dick, of him. You always had a picture yep, of him. Dick Hood was my high school coach, and he actually came in my senior year. Um, we had a we had a senior led team. It was Central Illinois. Um, we had a we had a good football team coming back. Our head coach, our previous head coach, decided to retire, go to administration, and so we brought in Coach Hood, and he came in about a month before the season. And, uh, we, and we had a good team. And, uh, you know, he just was such an influence on me. He just his passion for football, his love of the game. He was a disciplinarian, very much like you. Uh, didn't put up with anything. He demanded everything from you. You had to empty the tank at practice. You had to empty the tank in the game. You had to play as a team. And I just, I just fell in love with football. And so uh, – you know, if I if I don't, I truly believe if I didn't play for him my senior year, I don't think I'd be sitting in Austin, Texas, doing what I'm doing. I'd probably be in Austin, but it may not be. I may be in prison. So his <laughs> his his influence on me to to, to just love this game uh, was a huge influence. And then when I went to college, I don't know if you remember this name, Coach, but he just passed away about a month ago. Daryl Mudra. Daryl Mudra was mm-hmm. the head coach at Florida State before Bobby Bowden. Right. And Coach Mudra had been the head coach at Florida State, Arizona. People forgot Florida State used to be a girls' school. Yeah, Mo- Montreal yeah. Alouettes. And, I mean, yeah. he had been around. He'd, he'd won a ton, a ton of games. So, And then check this out. My my defensive coordinator was a guy named Chuck Dickerson, who was the was coach the D-line for those Marv Levy Super Bowl teams with the Buffalo Bills. He was replaced by uh, 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 John Tierlink who just passed away, who was a legendary D-line coach for the Colts. And then the offensive coordinator was Mike Shanahan, the, the, the two-time Super Bowl champion of the uh, Denver Broncos. So those were my college coaches. And then uh, uh, and then in 1984, I had a chance to be a graduate assistant at the University of Minnesota for Lou Holtz. And then, uh, uh, and then I got a chance to coach at the Division II level at some really good programs at North Alabama, with for Wayne Grubb, who was uh, Johnny Major's high, uh, college teammate under General Nealon at, at, at Tennessee. And then I worked for Mike Cavan at Valdosta State, who recruited Herschel Walker at Georgia. And then uh, and then I got a chance to go to UNLV for two years in Las Vegas. And then uh, and then, and then I got a chance to go back home. And I stayed at the University of Illinois through 13 years, through two coaching staffs. And, uh, and then after that, I went and worked for Lou's son, Skip Holtz, on his first staff at East Carolina for one season. And then I went to the saints for 11 and to LSU for, for a five. And now we're here, but you know, what's pretty ironic coach Frank is our two, 
our two oldest children, Drew and Lisa, our daughter, they never moved in their, other than when they were in kindergarten, they never moved. And Sam moved one time from, from Illinois to Louisiana. So our three kids, only one of them moved, and we coached 30 years in the Big Ten, the SEC, and the National Football League. That's unheard of. So we were very, very blessed. Coach, how many grandkids do you have now? We have four. Four, two in Baton Rouge and two in Chicago. And as you can appreciate, there's nothing like them. And and I'm kind of like a grandpa here, too, to these players. They look at me like I'm Santa Claus. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I got on the punter the other day, and I said, I felt kind of bad. I talked to him. He's, he's a great kid. And I said, I said, I, I apologize. I said, I'm kind of like a grand. Grandparents never yell at the kids. That's for the mom and dad. I, I got to watch myself. But, uh, <laughs> Coach, but we've got four grandkids. I tell people all the time, and not only not only did I coach your son, but but we gained you and Linda because you were always you were always there for whenever you could when you weren't coaching. You had our ball games. Linda would do the 50-50 at the gate and and push it and push that, and that was a really big help. Some of the guys still talk about that how hey. tremendous that was because you guys really bought into the whole program. The uh, oh. coach. One thing I wanted to mention. I, I wanted to ask you this. What do you see now in, in, as far as special teams rules that um, that it made the game even better or made it worse? Is there anything that that you have feel strongly about? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think I think the rules for the most part are you know certainly player safety and 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 man, it's hard with the targeting and the what is it a target? What is a target? I, I do like the fact that. You know, back in the day, not that long ago, you know, you get that big kick return, that wall return, and all of a sudden you're getting some of those knockout shots. And, hey, man, we used to always reward them and watch them. And, but, hey, man, th those things are dangerous. So I think, I think the player safety rules have really, in my opinion, have helped the game, uh, have improved the game. Uh, uh, you know, the kickers are so strong now and the punters at the high school level and the college level that uh, the strength of these kickers has really kind of that, that kind of, and, and look, I, I reap the rewards with Morstead and New Orleans. I mean, you know, these guys are so strong now it's hard to get a return because everything's in the end zone. But uh, um, I, I think the rules are, I think the rules are a lot of our player safety, you know, the, the kickoff rules now where you, you got to be within five yards of the ball before it's kicked and no overloads on onside kicks are, are healthy. And then these spring leagues with the USFL and the XFL, they're, they're totally off the reservation because now we've got, we got some crazy rules in those spring leagues that are a little different <laughs> even in the colleges. Well, one thing I've always coached, I've, I've always argued in high school rules. I'd love the, the, to be able to return the kick. Uh, kickoff out of the end zone because I think that's yeah. the most exciting play in football. But it, yeah. they kill it automatically, and they, they yeah. say it's a safety rule. But a lot of kickers in high school cannot reach the end zone. Right. I mean, but don't hurt my team when, when I got a pretty good returner back there and say, wait, wait a minute, we're not allowed to do that. The other thing in high school, I always, I always bitch about this, is the hash marks are 17 and two-thirds yard. Well, college is at 20, and, and you guys, the, the pros are on the uprights. I said, why can't we at least move to 20 like the, like the colleges? Because that's – I'm asking the 15-year-old kicker to kick to the uprights at a real, real bad angle. You know what I mean? Bad. So <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's kind of my pet peeve for, for, for years. I agree. I agree. I, I, I'm – you know, I, I'm totally with you, Coach. I, I don't understand sometimes why the rules are different. Coach, I tell people this all the time. When you, college coaches, then 
And I said, how many guys out of 85 scholarship players can field a punt? And I'm not going to talk about anybody down the road because we know that uh, somebody's had a lot, a lot of problems. But I said that not more than three guys on any Division One football team that could physically field a punt properly and return it. Do you agree with that statement? Coach, I absolutely agree with it. And, and, and. Uh, like this, this punt returner we have here at Texas, Xavier Worthy. I, I, I just talked to him today. God, I love this. He's first, first year starting as a punt returner. Coach, he catches everything. He's fearless. He's a really good player. He's super fast. I mean, he's a threat. But, but his range and his decision making to me is exceptional. And so, uh, you know, that's the, you know, that that's an ongoing skill that you have to develop. And, 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 you know, we worked meticulously on that pre-practice, post-practice. And like you say, there's only, there's only a couple guys that really could touch it. Hey, coach, I got to say this story because I, I tell this all the time and I freak, this is, this is why I, I, I knew you were a great coach because I remember when Sam, I think was a freshman, maybe a sophomore. And I said, coach, I said, you know, Sam catches punts and he's pretty good at it and everything. And, you basically told me, said, Sam is a program guy. And what that means is guys like Sam Block, and there's about three guys that touch the ball. And, and two of their names, two of them's name is Hall. And the other one is Tops. And I, and coach, I used to sit in the stands with, hey, hey, and me, hey. And I said, you know what? I know exactly what a program player is. And, I, and, 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 and I'm with you like, hey, you can block, you can tackle, but you ain't touching the ball. <laughs> He's a program guy. <laughs> hey, and I'm good with it. And, hey, I'm a, hey, and I'm a dad of a program guy. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> I walk into the facility one day, don't forget this, and, and um, I was the only coach visiting there, and you guys were going to a team meeting, and, and you said, uh, Coach, you know, just kind of hang out here. And we'll break up and you go to practice out. But Susan, uh, Coach Payton walked in. And he looked at me and he said, come on in. What are you doing standing out in the hall? So he let me go to the team meeting, which yeah. was pretty secret at that time. Yeah. Team and some of the players walk up to me and he said, uh, you the coach of St. Charles? I said, yes. He said, oh. Coach McMahon always used you as a reference. He said, Coach, we, we kind coach, of mad at you. Hey, I, I, I go in I go in meetings on Saturday after those games, and I Roman Harper's still kids about that. We're, play, we're getting ripped like Clemson, the national championship game. And, and, and Roman's like, man, Mac, he said, was our kickoff team ever as good as St. Charles Catholic? And I said, not really. I said, if I have to go to one more game and watch them kick, I, and kick it to the deep right corner and they blast guys, I said, my goal is for you guys to be as good as St. Charles Catholic. That's my goal. <laughs> so those guys still give me a hard time about that. Well, Coach, listen, I don't want to take any more of your time. You need some rest. You need to go drink some cheap wine. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and save some for me. Oh, tell, yeah. Please tell Miss Linda hello for me. I really Thank appreciate you. you taking time. And, and good luck to you. And if you could you please uh, drop me a line every now and then and see uh, what you're doing. And, I'll do and, better. I'll, I'll come by and see you. I, Coach, you know how you know I love you. You know how I feel about you. And Eric, heck, you're at more games than anybody around, man. I, I just <laughs> I just appreciate you guys, man. So it's an honor for me to be with you guys. Well, well appreciate it, Coach. And make right. sure to go to church. I know you do. Uh, hey, I need it. Like Linda says, I need to go to church. Right. Like, like I, I have to go to church. Trust me. Yeah, I do too. Most, my mom used to say most people go to church to see who didn't. Hey, that's why I got to go daily, man. I need it. I need it. <laughs> Thank I love you so it. much, Coach. All right. Thanks, guys. Coach. Thank good talking to you. Bye. All right. Bye. That's great stuff. Hey, Coach Monica, how about that? Roman Harper getting a big game. He goes to coach. He goes, are we ever going to be as good as the Comets? <laughs> that's unbelievable. And their kickoff team. That's awesome. 
he, he walked up to me and told me that. It, it was amazing. He said, you're the coach of St. Charles. Said, yeah. I think they were kind of mad at me because coach would reference that all the time. Look, anyway. and, and the thing about it, the thing about it is really, you know, you know, Coach McMahon. I know Coach McMahon as an unbelievable coach and obviously respected by his, his, his fellow coaches, his players. But the fans, right, you, you were talking about the centers only known. He doesn't even have fingerprints until something goes wrong. Something goes wrong on special teams. You see that shot and fans have that image of Coach Payton laying into him. Even in 09, Coach Payton laying into Thomas Morstead on uh, punting the ball, you know, almost out of the end zone. Peyton's like, what are you doing? And then Coach McMahon's like, that's on me, Coach. I told him to do that. Then he starts yelling at Coach McMahon. But it's the right. same. You kind of alluded to the special teams meltdowns up the road, right, with with, with LSU. And, and, and you think about, like, me in the TV mind, the control room has a camera on Brian Polian, and they're going to take that shot as soon as something goes wrong. And whether that's fair or not, that's that's the image that we have of – Brian Polian and, um, and you know, a you know Eric, great, yeah. on a side note, I mean, the years ago, there was no such thing as a special teams coach. It was div yeah. divided up among the nine assistants. And yeah. So one guy did this, one guy did this. And when the head coach would say, well, who wants punt team? Well, everybody was sinking underneath the table. <laughs> Nobody wanted a punt team because that's the hardest team to coach. And because there's so many things that can go wrong with it like a, a block punt or a punt return. So nobody wanted to do punting, but uh, gradually they filled in, and, and but but the head coach much supported. That's one thing I missed with Greg. The head coach, coach must support special teams and not just worry about it to be to go to the next system, go to the next offensive defense. Anyway, anyway. Coach, have you been to a Saints game uh, last couple of weeks by any chance? This No, I have not. Okay, well, you know, you talked about there's maybe three players on a team that can field the punt, right? Regular football right. teams, they put grandmas out there to catch punts at halftime. They had an older lady last week. I swear to God, I thought she like people in the cring in the press box. We were cringing, like, oh my God, they got a jugs gun and they're, they're she's going to feel a forty yard punt. I'm like, oh no, if that hits her, it's going to hurt her. That's going to leave a mark. <laughs> that's that's not easy. That's not easy. Well, look, hey, let's let, let's take a commercial break. Let's okay. reset, and um, uh, we'll come back with much more of Let's Be Frank. Want to get the sponsors in. We would like to thank LSR for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank podcast. LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Let's Be Frank segment coming up on the Let's Be Frank podcast. We're back after this quick timeout. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. 
Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rouse's Supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with RK Construction. This family owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King LaPlace thanks the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boutron and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Welcome back. We would like to thank Riverlands Insurance for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank podcast. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has always been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Welcome back to the show. Eric Ritchie filling in, giving you my good five innings. I'm pretty much spent, but we got a lot of show left to go. And it starts with the Let's Be Frank segment. And that's where we'll start this segment. Coach Monica, I know you're very passionate about the current playoff system. You had talked about it before it even became a reality. Now we're barely, we're, we're week nine. In two weeks, they're going to draw and find out who's playing what. But you love this setup, don't you? No, no question. Uh, I want to give the people a little background, a little history about the, yeah. uh, what had happened years ago. You know, uh, they had this thing they call it the convention, annual convention every January, where the rules and, and item agenda are addressed and voted on. And sometimes it, it's like 50, 60 items that the that people vote on. Uh the LHSA is composed of B and C schools. They're composed of about 430 total schools, uh, about 300 something that play football. Um, and football was a big issue back then. And it's one particular January when the vote went down, they lost by six votes. They, they went before the floor. And the, the thing that I want to explain to everybody at that particular time, it only had to be voted in by 50% majority. 
And since that time, they, they, they voted, they voted select and non-select to be an issue. And that's why we are today. We're split. We're basically a, a split the um, uh, football series, but then it spread to foot, the softball and baseball and basketball and, and the other sports. Um, there's some, some sports that still don't have, you know, that they're still together. But what had happened after that, then there's a ruling on the floor. Someone else brought up a few years later, and it was a, a principal's organization that the, the vote now must be on any agenda item. It must be by two-thirds vote. So when people were talking about maybe going back together again, it's now going to require a two-thirds majority. But my question to the LHSAA is that how is that possible? You have a handbook that was constructed and based on a majority of all the items that are in it, and, and now you, the, the other items are, are two-thirds. I don't know why no one actually fought that with the LHSA. But anyway, they did come up with this format, so that's neither here or there now. I don't know if that's ever going to change. But now the format is the 2014th, which we really like. Uh, and, and the principals of the executive committee, of all the members on the executive committee, the 30 people on it, uh, they do have a, a coach or two on it. Uh, I would love to see more uh, because, you know, principals nowadays, years ago, there were only four major sports. But nowadays, there are about 30 sports. There are multiple coaches there. There are a lot of rules. Principals have things to worry about, like dual enrollment. they got classes to worry about. They have forms to fill out. Uh, you know, they, have, they have teachers to worry about, hiring teachers and schedules and things like that. There's too much going on for a coach to, to really just put all the emphasis on athletics. That's where the athletic director and coaches come in. I would love to see the LHSAA actually go and, and start to get more people that are coaches and ADs sit on the executive committee and help with some of the decisions because football is so big, sports itself is so big. And it's the, I always tell people this all the time. It's the front porch of any high school. And then people judge by, by how their teams do. So that is so important. Athletics is really, really big in our society. And I think everybody understands that. So uh, my, my whole thing about this, my stand tonight is about let's get more people in the executive committee that understands athletics and let them vote. What does it matter that, that uh, who votes for that one school? Every school gets only one vote. But what I didn't understand, a school that does not play football should not have to vote. Now, that has changed because now B and C schools on some agenda items cannot vote on football issues. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And maybe we're heading the right direction. Will this, will this organization ever get back? I don't know. But the format that they have right now, uh, Division One especially, has more schools in it where they, use, where they had 12 teams in it. They now will have 24 participating in state championships. And everybody will be the same. And they all will be playing in the Superdome. But now that has weakened some divisions. But on the flip side of it, at least you won't get a team in there with a losing record, a team in there that, that maybe won one game that will be in the playoffs. So maybe this is the best thing for the future. Uh, but uh, we're hoping and seeing that maybe one day this whole situation will be resolved and everything will come back together. That would be awesome. We would all love to see that, but certainly excited about this new format and see how it unfolds uh, this season. We're all going to find out in just a couple weeks. All right, let's move right along. Football 101. The weekly schedule is so important for coaches, and I know very much for you, Coach Monica, you're very regimented, and there has to be um, uh, discipline in, in what you do each day. I know, you know, Coach uh, Ogeron, you know, he had the, you know, he would have, you know, the, the names, the cute names for, you know, Reality Monday or whatever he called them. Uh, how did you break down? How do you break down the week of a coach? 
Well, first of all, Erica, I want everybody, people to understand that a high school coach and college is, is the same, if not more. They put in 80 to 90 hours a week. And I mean, they really don't see their family very much during the season. And uh, they get home and it's just a, your dinner's in the, the microwave. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. But first of all, let me kind of break down these things. Uh, you know, you, the, your stomach starts turning on Sunday night. And uh, Sunday you meet with your staff and you start, this is what we did. You meet with your staff and you start breaking down film. You make your personnel adjustments first. Then you start breaking down film. And that requires about at least three to four hours to, to break down the film. Then you game plan. And once you start your game plan, you come up with the practice for the next day. So you're going you're to work all day on Sunday. So you have to be ready for the Monday's practice because on Monday morning, you're going to have a quick meeting with your team to install what's going on. And then those coaches will go to, to a class and teach class. And they have to wait till after school to practice. After school is over with, they'll go to practice for two, two and a half hours. After that, they'll come in and watch the film. With the, with the invention of huddle, I mean, you can really kill yourself with tape. So that practice will be filmed. So you go in there, you watch the tape, and you correct it. And you get home on a Monday night at about 7. Tuesday, you're going to be the same scenario. In between those, those times, you, know, you, you actually have meetings on, on Tuesday morning. And then the coach will go to class, and you will have weightlifting in those sessions also that have to be incorporated. And every day is different. And I know I always put a little slogan on top of every practice, uh, something that's motivational, because the motivation starts to build up as you start the practice of the week. It doesn't just happen on Friday. Well, on Tuesday night after practice, then you watch the tape. Then the coaches have a quarterback club meeting where they can tell everybody what's going on. And then on Wednesday is the same scenario. And then if you practice on, on Wednesday, then the coaches have a, a JV game that night. So you're building up a lot of hours, a lot of hours away from home. And whenever you get a chance during the day, you're grabbing that iPad and you're watching tape and you're making adjustments. And, uh, you know, I used to always put in plays on Monday, but on Tuesday, if I didn't like it, I'd fire that play. And because if it didn't work against the scout team, it's not going to work against your opponent. So that was a, so you know you cut and paste, and sometimes you might even add something on a Wednesday. So Wednesday you had the JV game, so your hours are building up. Then on Thursday was a very light practice. It was a light practice, but you went out afterwards and you, you watched a lot of tape. You turned the kids loose early on the Thursday, and uh, to get their legs back. It's very very big for coaches to start to wean back. Uh, as you got closer to the game, because you never want to put a tired team on the football field, because then they become leg work. You can tell that because they become sloppy tacklers. Uh, you can you can tell they, they they don't block well. They slide off the blocks and things of that nature. You really can tell when your team is is leg weary, and you also can tell when they're when they're energized and ready to go. So on Friday, um, I used to always keep the kids home. Um, and they would, they would after they would go to a, a mass. Then after mass, they went to a pregame meal. Then after that, we started the ritual. And what I mean by the ritual, uh, they're about two hours or two and a half hours before every ball game. Uh, Eric, I would love to see every every parent witness this. And the people that have never played the game will not understand this. This is when kids are really, really nervous. The intensity starts to build. And, I mean, you, the locker room, you can hear the, the cleats kind of grinding. Uh, the, the kids are kind of moving around and, and all of a sudden get really excited. The emotion is just, is just at a, a crescendo level that you can't, you can't put in a, in a can of Campbell's soup. It's really unbelievable. What take those two hours prior to any football game, whether it's college, pro, or high school, are really just something that's very special. And, I mean, your coach, as, as a coach, your stomach is a complete knot. 
because you never know how that game is going to unfold. Then the game is played, and after the game is played, that Saturday the coaches and the players come out. They do what they call kink drills. They lift weights. They might have a practice or two. Go over. They go over the tape thoroughly, and that that's week. That takes about eighty to ninety hours a week. Uh, and so that's my football one-on-one. I want the fans to know exactly what a coach and the player goes through uh, just to prepare for one ball game. And that takes place every, every day. And it's throughout the season until that, that season is over with. The, I, I think coaches are the only ones that work almost as much as sportscasters. Uh, I tell you what, 80, 90 hours a week, man, you got it made. You got to exactly. get, get the triple digits and to come talk to me. No, I'm kidding. I'm and, kidding. And all the money, totally. Eric, one thing I didn't mention to you, uh, my very first high school job, I had three class, I had uh, five classes. I was coaching three sports, and <laughs> I was making seventy five hundred dollars a year. <laughs> I got about a five thousand dollar bump to get my first full time job in TV, and I was my own cameraman, <laughs> producer, editor. So we're, we're living the same life, brother. But I, 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 I you're a hall of famer. So let's just cut. Let's cut. And look, I, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to blitz you. I'm going to blitz the ball coach because that's where okay. we are at this segment right now. Blitz the ball coach. This is where you got to field some tough questions. All right. All right. It's got like it. uh, one of the Mackles putting you on the hot seat right now. So, so I know you're a big Saints fan. They lost again uh, Thursday night against Arizona. They're now two and five, headed back to the Dome Sunday to take on the Raiders. Our first question, is Dennis Allen the man for the Saints? And who would you start at quarterback? Well, number one, I, I certainly do think that he is. I mean, the, the guy has proven that he, he knows his defense and, and uh, he knows his players. I love his demeanor. He says all the right things. Uh, I, Except I just at halftime last week. Except at halftime. <laughs> did you hear that when they asked him? Like, hey, well, what, what did you tell Andy Dalton at halftime? Nothing. After he threw the two interceptions and the two pick sixes, right, right there, so he, he got hammered for that. So, so well, you you well, really think he's the man for the job, coach? Well, you know, how can you control a guy? First of all, here's a, a receiver; the ball goes right through his hands, and it's a pick six. How do you how do you blame the quarterback for that? I mean, I, I don't get that. I mean, that happens. I mean, that's on that receiver. One thing you teach receivers: first of all, this is a football thing. Put your fingers on top of the ball because if you drop it, it goes straight down. If your fingers are underneath the ball, it's going to pop up. And I yeah, mean, yeah. regardless of how hard it was thrown, he's a oh, he's a pro receiver. You're supposed to catch that ball. On the yeah. flip side of it, look, for years they've been really good on defense. But that guy, he, I mean, he's still the same guy. He's still as intelligent as ever. But some of the guys need to play. This is my big thing with them. They, they, those guys need to get, in the, in, get, they need to get out of that, that, that training room and get on the field. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, you got guys that, that undisclosed injuries. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, something is up with that. Why are they not on the field? Uh, don't give me undisclosed injury. Uh, there's a lot of mystery there with that. So uh, I'm not faulting him for that. But, I mean, if, if you guys are making millions, uh, I, I said in my last week's podcast, pay those guys by the game. Pay them. When, that, when he exits that locker room, that, give them a check right there. And then you'll see a different type of ball player. And what about a quarterback? Who do you start? Do you go with Andy Dalton? And, and we don't know exactly the health right now, right, of Jameis Winston in that back situation. Or do you go completely off the grid and say, hey, Taysom, you know, why don't you be the man? Who would you start I, a quarterback? I will say this. I think that all the way that Saints will bounce back is, is with Dalton. I, okay. I, I think Jameis okay. Winston's got a fine – I think he's a fine arm. Uh, I'm impressed the way Dalton actually can move at times. But I, I, I do think – I mean, I thought their offense was okay. He forced that one ball. 
And I wish he had that one back because that was a nice drive. He got all the way down there. He forced that one ball in tight coverage. But in NFL, let me tell you, people very seldom are wide, wide open. Uh, a good quarterback, is he's going to throw his picks every now and then. Uh, now, the other one he threw to the linebacker, he tried to get the ball over him. I didn't I didn't understand that throw. He was being pressured. He moved up. That's when he should have eaten. I used to tell my quarterback all the time, it's, it's okay to punt. It's okay to punt because it beats the alternative. You don't want to turn over. And so, you know, I said earlier in one of my, my podcasts, Eric, I think the very first one, missed tackles, explosive plays, and turnover margin is what loses or wins ball games. Missed tackles, turnover margin, and, 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 um, and uh, explosive plays. So if you can eliminate those things, you'll be fine. I like Dalton. I think Winston's got a, a better arm. But he's also he, he throws a better deep ball than the short ball, and I, I like Dalton's as my preference. Okay, there you have it. That's why that's why you're a Hall of Fame coach, and um, I'm doing podcast at eight o'clock, <laughs> nine o'clock at night. But it, we, all right, we go dinner. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't need it. I can I can do without that one. Hey, before we get to the lock of the week, I want to say thanks for the memories. And let's um, uh, this, the topic this week is your team from 1975, which is one of my favorite years. Some of the pictures behind us about to go back up on the Richie Crib wall uh, from the 1975 Big Red Machine. But you had your own championship that year in 1975, didn't you? Yeah, we did, Eric. It's really, really. Uh... A memorable time it was the second championship in, in lecture baseball history. Uh, but I might add, you know, while we we're on baseball, Erica, uh, I was perplexed that the San Diego uh, actually were, were beaten the other night and with their best reliever in the bullpen going against Bryce Harper. When Bryce Harper being a left-handed, the best reliever in the majors is in the bullpen, and they didn't pull him out. To, to secure that ball game, that kind of blew me away right there. That that, that didn't happen, you know what I mean? And then uh, you take the, the poor old Yankees. The Yankees couldn't hit. I mean, they, uh, everybody was relying on Judge, but I think the rest of the guys were just there waiting for Judge to do it all, and you can't. So uh, I think, you know, I, I love the Phillies. I'm glad they're there, but they lost 75 games during the year. Do they really, with this new format, should they have been there? That's a big controversial issue. Should they have been there with this new format? Well, that, I mean, you play with the hands that dealt because there was a time during the year that Harper was hurt and they had a number of injuries. Uh, they were nowhere. They fired their manager and all of a sudden this guy takes them over and they start to win. So anyway, it's going to be an interesting series. Houston's got great pitching, uh, but the Phillies look like they, they got a lot of heart and they're playing well. So that's going to be an interesting series. But anyway, let me get back to my 1975 a lecture baseball team. Uh, we, it was quite a quite a, a run there, Eric. You know, it's, it's it's not only the state championship game; it's the run and how you got there. Uh, we had a, a very very good foot a baseball team. Then a lot of guys were football players, and at, at that particular time, I might add, that same year we won the football championship at, at Lutcher. It was 75. I mean, um, I had one guy by the name of Lance Lerone, who's our pitcher, and everybody talks about him because he later signed with the New York Yankees. And um, and he he was a hard thrower. I mean, he had no curveball, but he could throw the ball by you. I mean, he, that ball would just explode and sneak up on you. Uh, we we we'd actually had a, a real good uh, junior pitcher who had gotten hurt at football by the name of Lynn Bourgeois. But th- and then Leon Laurent came around and and ended up being our ace. Uh, but we had some we had a second base by the name of Bobby Bourgeois who made one error as a second base in two years. He made one error in two years. We had big old Juice uh, Roussel at, at first base. We uh, had a guy, a little guy by the name of Kurt Carterera. We had, uh, we had a, a guy by, by the name of Bobby Bourgeois, as I mentioned before. I had um, uh, Doug Oob, uh, that, that was a real, real good player. And then Forrest and, and 
uh, Wade Schneider, who later signed with San Diego, that both these guys I'm talking about signed out of high school. They didn't go to college baseball. You know, Wade Schneider was there. Uh, David Mia was was a, was, was a center fielder. I had uh, Doug Oob, Kurt Carterera, uh, Ralph Desherry was my shortstop. Bobby Booth was that second. Um, we had Doug Oob, but he was a, also a catcher. And, uh, you know, I had Lynn Booth as a, a pitcher. So I had a, a real good baseball team. Um, we, we played at, at Goldsby Field in, in Baton Rouge that final day. They had a big old fair at Lutcher. And so our fans went crazy. Leon Slaron just kind of really played a, a real, real, I mean, pitched a real good game against a, one of the better teams in the state of all classes, Catholic High. We played Catholic High, and we beat them 5-2, to two, and I remember it very well. The game really wasn't that close. We stole nine bases against a real good left-handed pitcher. And uh, so it kind of set the, the tone for the day. We got a few base hits, but I remember that coming back on, on that bus, I mean, how happy people were because it had not happened uh, at Lutcher in a long, long time. And uh, you know what I think? The next year, Eric, in 1976, we went all the way to the finals again. And again, we faced Catholic High. And we led 2-1, to one, going to the seventh, at bottom of the seventh, with, with two out, nobody on. And we ended up losing the ball game in nine innings, 3-2. to two. So we, we were one out away from being having a double championship there. But uh, kudos to that 1975 baseball team. Uh, that, that we had, we had just a great, great run, and th- those guys were resilient, and, and uh, I love them all. I, I haven't heard from any of them, and if any of them listen to this podcast, I love to have a picture of it because I lost a lot of stuff in my flood waters. I have no picture of that baseball team. In fact, one quick story on that team: um, that we were in red, white, and blue uniforms that year, and it was what? the wrong uniform. Our colors were purple and gold, but yeah. the uniforms came in wrong. And I, I talked to the manufacturer, said these things are wrong, but they came in so late, we ended up keeping the uniforms and wearing them all year long. And uh, and, uh, and we ended up winning it. So I, the next year we kept those uniforms. So um, anyway, uh, I remember it very well. And, and I complained about it at the time, but but I said we were in red, white, and blue uniforms at, uh, for Lecture Bulldog. But congratulations, 1975 uh, state championship baseball team. Yeah, that's a great story. I love the second baseman, which has one air in two years. That's better than Joe Morgan, and he won back-to-back gold gloves. Jeez, that's Amen. that's solid. That, that's that's like Frank Monica in the field, weren't you? What <laughs> position did you play when you played at, I was, at Nichols? I was a third baseman. I was a shortstop in high school and then a third baseman at Nichols State. Eric, and um, and um, that, uh, we had a big reunion about our 1970 World Series baseball team just last Saturday, in fact. Okay. It was good okay. to see a lot of those guys. But, you uh, know, anyway, I, I, Go ahead. I, I knew that you, you played and won a state championship 75 and knew you lost in 76 in the finals. I didn't know you played Catholic, though. Speaking of Catholic, how about Aaron Nola? He'll be in the World Series. You know, either Aaron Nola is going to win a World Series and the LSU guy or, or Bregman will. And, that's, and then he pitched against his brother. I mean, that was Unreal. amazing. I can't even imagine like that. Yeah. One of you, one of you, are going to the World Series. All right, let's let's close out the show pretty much like you do each and every week with the lock of the week. We're going to the SEC. The number one team in the country is Georgia. They're twenty-two and a half point favorite against Florida. And and what, Coach? I'm looking at my notes here. Coach Monica is taking the Gators and the points. Is that right? I'm, t- I'm picking Coach Napier because I think that they'll respond. Because this has been a rivalry game. What do you call it? The cocktail game, the biggest cocktail party in the world. Yeah, they're all like, like you know, we can't call it that anymore. And like, nobody calls it that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, the so you're taking, the you, you'll take those points. You'll take those I'm taking points. The, I'm taking the Gators in the points. I think they'll at least keep it close. I think they're better than what they've shown. 
and uh, Coach Napier will get them physical. And I don't know if George is the same team. You know, that I really love their little quarterback. In fact, he's a, he was a, uh, in my group at, at the Manning camp. Uh, I like him because he's short like me. So I mean, just so. Uh, but this this time, I'm actually pulling against him and taking the, the Gators and the points. All right. Well, I like it. Lock of the week. And, and and what are you so far? I, I'm filling in. This is my first lock of the week. How how has the lock of the week's gone for the first six or seven episodes? Oh, I think I'm at 500. Last Wake Forest bailed me out the last two weeks because oh, I've so been you're doing 500. Terrible. You're 500. Yes. So we're even money right now if you're if you're following Coach Coach Monica. Exactly. Don't, is that don't right? put you don't put your check on it though. Really, Eric. All right. really, yeah, that's what you always tell me. Don't spend it in one place now, Eric. Don't don't do that. <laughs> hey, look, it's it's been a pleasure, Coach. I'm so, I'm so glad, first of all, that you're doing the Let's Be Frank podcast. I've told you for ten years you should have your own show. Now that you do, I know you're getting some great feedback, and uh, I'm I'm certainly excited that it's on VSN. I'm very honored that this podcast is on Varsity Sports. Now you're doing a terrific job. Like I said, I try to just give you five good innings, but Jason Duay's back next week, and you two will keep rocking, uh, rocking the house and keep keep up the great work. Well, well, Eric, let me tell you, thanks to you because you're the one that gave me the idea. We sat down with this guy a long time ago. Yep. But had you not called, you know, I would still be sitting in my living room eating Twinkies. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, 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 thanks for for getting me involved with this. It's been it's been it's been a riot. It's been a lot of fun. Well, good. When we're just getting started, this is just year one. So, so get ready and think of some more great ideas. And uh, maybe that that lock of the week, maybe maybe VSN goes down that road. So think about that a little bit too, and I'll leave you with that. But great show. I want to thank Greg McMahon as well. He's been so good, uh, you know, to the community uh, locally. Again, wins a Super Bowl with the Saints, wins a national championship with LSU, and uh, his his son Sam, of course, a huge huge part of your team, Coach Monica with the St. Charles, St. Charles Comets. Amen. Amen. All Eric, right. thank you. And, and God bless you. And you guys uh, go to church. <laughs> we'll do it on Sunday. You take care. And look, we want to always remind you about the, the social media uh, for the Let's Be Frank show. Follow us on, on Facebook at the Let's Be Frank video podcast and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at the LBF podcast. So that'll do it for our guest, Greg McMahon or legendary Hall of Fame coach Frank Monica. Uh, I'm Eric Ritchie for our director producer, Justin Thomas, saying so long, everyone. Let's be frank.